Oh, hey, Alice. Good timing. We're sitting here with William James from Sleeper Signal. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. I'm feeling good today. Yeah. It's a it's wet outside, but um, I'm glad you made it. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Of course, it had to start raining on my way over here. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, of course, that's how it always works. Yeah. Uh, we've also got Shrieking Violet with us, Courtney Nicole. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, Sleeper Signal, you guys have music videos out, um, music streaming on all platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a tour coming up. We sure do. Uh, we've got a bunch of away dates coming up. Really excited about it. And uh, it feels good to be able to get out there, especially after like COVID and all that, when we were getting momentum. <clears throat> and then unfortunately that kind of put the kibosh. So to be able to get out there, uh, we did a run in the winter time, which was great. So like early 2022 um, and it was just awesome. It felt good. It was warmer out in Jacksonville and Georgia and some of the places that we played than it was still here. And it felt just good to warm my bones a yeah. little bit and play some rock and roll. So how long it had um you guys have been a group so we've been a band now uh almost three years okay well yeah yeah and I mean, how many records do you have we have we have one in a single and we're okay. getting ready to uh release an ep actually which i'm really excited about that's what's up um yeah basically as it kind of all unfoiled uh i moved here three and a half years ago i'm from new york connecticut originally uh and I visited Nashville my senior year of college, fell in love with it, and basically was like, I want to move here. At that point, I was already halfway done recording the e- the Sleeper Signal EP, which was our first kind of recorded content, but I did it all by myself. So I played all the instruments on it, okay. drums, bass, guitar, vocals, whatever. And basically my goal was to come down here with that and find a band. It happened pretty quick and uh, we started playing couple shows COVID happened and I was like super depressed I was like oh no like this is it like they're gonna lose interest but no instead we kept rehearsing twice a week right on getting it together and all that stuff and then eventually writing songs as a as a band which was always what I wanted you know I didn't want it to be like the William James show <laughs> yeah. I needed compadres I needed yeah. like guys that I you know could mesh with so well I think I got lucky <laughs> right on um so like what did you have when you were thinking about moving? Was it just Nashville or did you have other ideas in mind? Or? I mean, I had some ideas. My family originally is from the Bronx. Uh, okay. When I was, you know, little, basically after 9-11, we moved to Fairfield County, which is right outside of, it's still technically considered like New York City Metro because it's so close. And uh, so I grew up in kind of a suburb, which is, it was fantastic. It, you know, as a kid, like I was allotted a lot of great things that my parents worked really hard for. Uh, long story short, after college, I had always imagined moving back into Manhattan proper, though, like moving into like the East Village specifically, but that cost a shit ton of money. And yeah. also the music scene is kind of dead there. And okay, it's just you. a way different vibe. So my love for like outlaw country music, like Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, just like the allure of like, oh, it's Music City was always calling. And uh, so basically I was like, you know what? It's either going to be New York City, Nashville or L.A. Mm-hmm. Still haven't been to California. Uh, kind of good on it for right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I and, and that's that too. yeah. I mean, that's all hearsay though. I haven't been there, so I can't really yeah. make that judgment. But so I kind of fell on Nashville because, like, when I visited, I saw and did little research and seeing, you know, how much the cost of living is. I was like, oh, this could be so easy. Why not? And, and things <laughs> things have changed. It's been a bit of an adjustment for me, and as I'm sure it has been for y'all. Um, 
but the charm of it, the allure of the, the friendliness, how slow it was. Yeah, you, you get the charming. benefits of being able to feel like you're living in the country or in a small town while still having the opportunities and the accessibility of the city. Big time, big time. Absolutely. Uh, it's very easygoing, very laid back. I had to adjust a lot. I still am. I mean, I'm the loudest fucking motherfucker right now you know and there's times where i'm like blowing around like come on we got to get somewhere and i'm like all right they do they do things a little bit differently here right <laughs> um but you know even venturing out to other areas of middle tennessee uh, i was working a corporate financial and insurance job during covid which required a lot of traveling and i got to see like the actual countryside and like kind of get an appreciation for the southern hospitality and the lifestyle and very much an outlier they knew you'd walk into somebody's home to do business and they like you ain't from around here are you? <laughs> yeah. like, and i wouldn't even try and fudge it I'd be like nope i am not but i would love like you know i'm in your house i'm playing by your rules mm -hmm. you know that's was my mindset moving here to nashville and yeah. it's it's been welcoming and kind and i try to give that back as much as i can it's uh, funny you say that because i hear that from my other friends from the northeast like i'm from mississippi so like this uh, is like crazy to me i'm like oh it's a big city <laughs> but uh, i was taking out with my friend and i was like oh i should uh, i should get going so you can like because you got work tomorrow and he's like it's so weird like in the south people are so polite about excusing themselves to leave they always make it out like they're an inconvenience to you and he's like up north it's not like that Oh, yeah. Well, you know, me being Italian, it's like the Italian goodbye takes freaking eons. It's like, <laughs> oh, all right, I'll see you. Now. Oh, and how so and so has your sister doing it? Stuff like that. But I also have Irish buddies who are like, I'm over it, fucking out. I'm not going to say goodbye. See you. <laughs> see you. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, what did your parents uh, listen to when you were growing up? So, actually, uh, everyone in my immediate family is a musician. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my mom and my dad. Uh, met playing in a rock band together oh, shit. my dad was the drummer my mom was the lead vocalist and uh, as the rock and roll way goes I came about <laughs> they got married what was the name of their band I think they were called the second coming which I think is oh, kind of wild yeah that is fucking awesome <laughs> which is so yeah, cool yeah <laughs> they had a they had a good go of it um they had original songs I think they had a small contract with Atlantic Records for a while which is oh, pretty wow. cool my older sister, who is technically my stepsister or half-sister, which is just, a that's my sister, whatever. Mm -hmm. Her father, who I, again, very close, he was also involved in that group. And uh, so it's like everyone was musicians. My stepfather, Todd, whom I love and introduce him as my own father. He is a drummer also. So I grew up very musical. Um, never took music lessons. I just, it's like growing up in a household where you speak a language, you just kind of pick up on things. You know, my grandfather was a well-known gypsy jazz guitar player in New York City in the 30s. Um, my uncle who taught me how to play guitar was a successful guitar player in the 70s. Uh, he played with acts like Diana Ross and stuff like that. So it was really cool. So there was always instruments kind of lying around. Um, so I grew up in a very musical family. My mom, uh, I mean, I grew up listening to, I mean, the Beatles is everything to us. I mean, that's my favorite band. Uh, but my folks kind of went through that late seventies, eighties, nineties, new wave punk rock thing. So like, it wasn't uncommon for my mom and dad to be hanging out at clubs like CDGB and stuff like that. So very heavy on like the pretenders talking heads and stuff like that. A very cool thing for me that I still have is I have my mom and dad's final records. I have my older sister's final records and my final records. So it's very mm -hmm. generational. And then a lot, a lot of Pink Floyd, a lot of like progressive rock music and stuff like that, you know, anything really intriguing 
is yeah mostly so you got a pretty like a pretty healthy buffet of music i was very lucky yeah and i had open ears you know yeah so so, um what was the first instrument that really called to you the drums actually really uh that's the instrument i've been playing the longest seeing my dad play the drums as a little kid i just Mm -hmm. had such a an alert to it the way like i still remember this like seeing them perform like at like block parties or whatever stuff that a little kid could go to I just remember seeing my dad behind the drums. And when you're a little boy, you look up to your dad so much. And my dad, a lot bigger than me, especially at this age. I mean, he towers over me by four inches and was like a solid 275. He was also a part of the FDNY. He was a fireman. And uh, so like just seeing this big, powerful man like play the (laughs) loudest instrument in the band was cool for me. And I will never forget like hearing like the sound of the kick drum and how it like hits you in the chest, especially as like a little guy. So that was there's pictures of me on my dad's lap, you know, behind the kid and him just kind of hitting the drum and I'm there. So, wow. That's a really powerful image, man. Like, yeah, like, like you're saying, like I, so much power at what you're looking at. Like that's oh, your yeah. father, like this big figure. It's right. like protecting <laughs> father figure. And it's like so much power in what he's doing. Like that's got to, like, I could just, I'm putting myself there. That's why. Yeah. It's primal. Yeah. I mean, that's human nature. Just like, oh, you know, like caveman. So like play the, you know, hit the drum, mm-hmm. play the beat, you know, and then see my mom singing it was wild too. So I think like at a young age, I kind of was attracted to like, I'm either going to be that or that <laughs> mom yeah. or dad. Right. Gotcha. So that was cool. Um, started playing the drums when I was six, seven years old and it took up very quickly. I played little league peewee baseball and football. And when they bought me a drum set, all that went away. I didn't want to go to practice anymore. I wanted to play the drums and, you know, I was talking to somebody recently and they said, well, you know, what's the longest instrument you've been playing? Like what instrument have you been playing the longest? And I was like, I guess the drums, they were like, how long? I'm 27 now. And I was like, oh, like, you know, I'm thinking like 10 years. And I was like, no, I would have been 17. I was like, hold on a minute i've been playing the drums for 20 fucking years what's like <laughs> that's wild yeah i was drumline captain in high school when i went to college i was in a jazz program playing drums mm-hmm. and all that while uh, i picked up playing guitar when i was 13. Uh, which i think was the best age to do it i had a sense of rhythm by that point and enough patience to sit down and learn something a little bit more difficult at least to me yeah so do you have any pets growing up yeah had a dog we had a couple of dogs not big of not being on cats. Uh, okay. We were not a cat family. I was allergic, which is funny. I, my girlfriend now has a cat and I'm like obsessed with the fucking thing. I come home and I'm like, come here, princess. <laughs> like, you'll see me walking around the house with an open beer, like with the cat cradled in my arm, <laughs> like, yeah, and I'm singing, I'm dancing with it, like being a goofball. Um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, pets. I, I love pets. I love animals, you know? Yeah. So, you guys were a dog family. Dog family for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any ghost stories? Ghost stories. Actually, it's funny you said that and like something popped into my head immediately. So when we bought the house in Connecticut, when I was roughly in the second grade, it was after 9-11, like everyone just kind of booked out, right? And my mom was convinced that weird shit was going on in this house. <laughs> and my older sister, Danielle, and I were actually fucking around with a Ouija board. And uh, we got very spooked out. And my mom, being, especially when you're Italian, everything is so heightened and it's a spiritual and it's like oh my god he put the malort on, on the whole thing uh my mom actually had a priest come into the house and bless what? the home because she was convinced that there were spirits that were can i just about it real quick what what did the ouija board look like classic like okay. you're like a very, display like a rainbow 
like kind of like uh like this and yep yep like an arc like okay. that like you're plain and simple like 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 mattel or bradley or whatever toy company made it type okay. of Ouija i was work. just curious i didn't mean to interrupt you said uh someone came in to cleanse the house yeah yeah it was the, the local priest you know catholic whatever and to me it was a very like scary thing i was like what is what is going on in this house like this is strange and my mom was like we gotta bless the home we gotta bless there's there's old spirits here you know we grew up very spiritual too though at the same time you know okay are you religious to this day or spiritual i know they're different uh rock and roll is my religion hell yeah all right yeah yeah i'll cheers to that let's go ahead that, that is let's get that out of the way <laughs> um and the reason i say that so i grew up obviously in an italian family so i'm actually a confirmed catholic uh, okay. but it seems so serious I didn't like it, you know, the whole chanting, you know, threw him with Eminem and Eminem. It just like so, freaked okay. me out. Like, so it, you guys went to church as a kid? For the most part, more so my grandma, like my mom growing up went to a Catholic school okay. and uh, like an all girls Catholic school in New York. And uh, I don't get the feeling that she liked it very much. She wanted to be a free spirit. She was the youngest in the family. Uh, there's actually a pretty funny story I could tell you. It might piss her off, but when my mom was a teenager, she was playing in a rock band in her later years in high school. So she was always late to class because they would play out at night in New York. And one day, because it was run by nuns, right? Well, one day, my mom put her book bag on her thing, went to the bathroom to go use it, and then come back. And the nuns slammed the door in her face and locked it. And my oh, mom, shit. apparently, as she told me, was banging on the door. And the nun finally answers the door, and my mom bitch slapped this nun right in the face. I'm like, don't you ever disrespect me like that type Hell of deal. Yeah. <laughs> got kicked out. And apparently, when her parents, my grandmother and grandfather, rest in peace, miss them very much, uh, came to the school because the principal called them in. Apparently, my grandfather was like, Well, what was she supposed to do? I think I would have done the same thing. Don't you agree, Marie? You know, like type of deal. Because we grew up hardcore. <laughs> Damn right. They like you. Fuck, fuck that bitch. Yes, she left in the bathroom. We also came from a bit of a, I don't want to say rougher family, but a family that knew how to do Italian business, if you understand, mm -hmm. right? So it was my great grandparents were immigrants from Italy and stuff like that. So my mom kind of grew up like, like, don't let anyone push you around. I'll never yeah. forget as a kid, my mom's only have a backbone. Don't let anybody give you mm -hmm. shit. Do not get pushed around in this life, or you'll get walked all over. And I'm grateful to have a, had a mom be able like it wasn't my dad like my dad was always like don't get pushed around you know but be cool like mom was like don't ever let anybody fucking disrespect <laughs> you so like growing up like that so I, your mom's not looking badass my mom is a fucking badass she's my best friend and uh she you know taught me what it meant to be respectful mm -hmm. towards women and how to treat yeah. just people in general to have a strong female figure like that in my life my whole life i'm very grateful for so yeah oh um so ghost stories yeah, I guess I was really the only one. Okay, okay. Uh, you know, I mean, sometimes yeah. I've, what, I guess more recently when I moved into the apartment that I just recently moved out of over in East Nashville, it was a very old home uh, and I was having night terrors like the first mm -hmm. week that I lived there. It was the first time I was really living on my own for the first time. Basically an ex-girlfriend and I broke up and I was like, well, I'm moving out. Obviously I'm moving back to East Nashville and I got this old house. But it was the first time that I ever really truly lived by myself, nobody else. And it scared mm -hmm. the bejeebus out of me. And I was having like out of body, like sleep paralysis. Like I felt like I was being haunted almost in this house. And uh, it took a while to kind of like, I almost had to develop a relationship within my new home and living space by myself. And I think a lot of it's mental and psychological, yeah. but 
I just could not sleep for like a week straight. I really want to dig into that because I I moved to Nashville and I ended up living alone for the first time in my life. And most of the time I've been here and I've been here 10 years. I've lived alone. But before that, in, you know, I always live with my family and I don't have family here. And living alone, it, it almost makes you feel borderline schizophrenic. Like oh, not yeah. to be disrespectful, but you start hearing things. You think somebody's knocking on the door and you realize, oh, that's just my pulse in my throat and I can hear it. You know, like yeah. I, I suffer from hypnopompic uh, hallucinations, which is you wake up, you move around, you communicate, but you see things there. So can you tell me a little bit about your your sleep paralysis? Very similar situation. It was always very quiet. So I, there was like, like a, like a long stretch of time, I guess, until the whole time I lived there by myself, I would, I had a routine where I would come home and I would put Saturday night live on in my bedroom, but have music cranking in the living room. And then on the phone with somebody, like a lot of shit happened. Cause I, I needed like a full house. Like I didn't have any pets. Mm-hmm. It was just me or whatever. I needed constant noise. Cause if it was dead quiet, like again, like that, be freaking out. So like you put the TV away and you go to bed and your head hits the pillow and it very much like that, I kept waking up, but like hearing shit that wasn't really there. And I couldn't, like, I was so exhausted, tired. I was working in insurance and finance at the time. So I had a lot of stress on my brain. Like I couldn't, and I was exhausted. I couldn't like wake up to be like, all right, this isn't real. Like go back to bed. Like I just was trapped in it. And you're, you would go to sleep again and wake up. Like, what was that? Like type of deal. Very similar to kind of what you described there, Cordy. Mm, that's, yeah. that's so rough. Did, did you ever have nights where you just slept with the lights on? You're like, fuck it can't sleep with the lights on what so why do you why do you think that is why do you think you feel that way in those moments Mm -hmm. i think i have a very busy brain sometimes Mm -hmm. and i i listen to a lot of music and i play a lot of music and i think that the sound of like silence so to speak like is odd you start mm-hmm. hearing other things. You start hearing yeah. yourself. Because I feel like there's so few people that know what it's like to truly live alone. You know, mm-hmm. you may have roommates that are, that are uninvolved or something like that. But we we live in a generation where not many people experience true silence. And the thing about silence is it makes you hear things that you've never heard before. So I guess um, I guess I'm trying to get at the root of what do you think those things are that you're hearing. Mm-hmm. I think it's the way you communicate with yourself, even when you're not speaking, right? So like the thoughts that kind of go on in your head when like the whole like, all right, I got to do this, I got to do that. Like when you figure all that out, and then it's just like, well, now what? Okay. Right. So your brain creates stimulus pretty much. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think so, at least. Yeah. yeah. I think that that makes sense. And I feel like any minute stimulus you hear, whether it's a train that's like mm-hmm. five miles away and you don't, you don't understand what it is, your brain starts writing stories for that. Mm-hmm. When you mentioned the train, there was a train right by my old apartment. I lived on Pennock over here in East Nashville, right? And there was a train that would go uh, at random times of the day. And sometimes I always loved hearing it at night, A, because I wasn't stuck behind it, like 10 minutes late to whatever I was doing. But just the allure of like that in the middle of the night, it's like, who's on that train? What's on that train? Where's that going? I don't know. That wonder of not knowing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Do you, um, so, I mean, no one knows, but do you have any ideas about what happens after we die? Man. Are you laughing at it? No. I I didn't know what you were going to say. It's a fun thing to talk about, really. Yeah, there's a lot of communication in death and dying, uh, especially wondering what happens in the afterlife or the after our life. So 
when I was in my insurance job, a big thing that I sold was life insurance. Okay. And I used to deliver a lot of death checks, which is very touchy. Mm. You're the salesman, you're the servicer, wow. and you're basically part of this family in that moment. And little Mrs. Johnson's crying because her spouse Rough passed job. away. No, I mean, it was, dude, we, well, in those moments, yes, but it only, it, it almost like felt good because you were helping these people in a big way. Yeah. Like, yeah. You wrote them something that will make this process a lot easier, but you're also there to console them as That's a stranger, awesome. you know, no yeah. ties to the family drama or whatever. And you learn a lot about people too, you know, especially in Tennessee because mm-hmm. the connections with country music and especially that generation. So like, oh, and here's a picture of him with Elvis back then. It's like, what? And you're like me as a music lover. Like, the fuck? That's insane. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but would also beg the question of like, they would say like, well, they're in a better place now. Very Christian down here. It's like, they're with Jesus now, or they're, you know, they're in heaven and this and that, but like me not being from here and not kind of like really giving too much thought about that. I've often wondered like, well, where do we go? You know, I don't know. Uh, well, no one does, but it's fun to think about what you said. I think we do get reincarnated. I have a, I think when I think on my past life, I, I think that I was a sailor who passed away at sea once upon a time ago or a passenger on a ship. I think that's my alert with the ocean too. Like I love swimming. I love being by the ocean. I love the sound of it, but there's also a depth, a deep uncertainty that comes with it because it's so much power, more powerful than we are. It can undertake me in a second or I can enjoy its vibe. Right. Right. Um, I think that's why I got sailor tattoos all over me, like unbeknownst to myself, you know, like I just thought they looked cool and this and that. My grandfather was in the Navy I come from a very military family. So, um, you know, my grandfather was in the South Pacific during World War II and almost died at sea himself. So, like, I get it. Um, I have reoccurring dreams. They're never the same. Like, I always wake up lost at sea by myself, adrift, not dead, not living, but at peace, Mm. which I'm sure you could break down a million different ways. But that's kind of like my tie to it. So, that's really cool. Um, I guess, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess also scary, but yeah, that's just interesting. Um, yeah. Do you, uh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm of a similar mindset. I think that's definitely, I think there's multiple answers, um, but I think that's one of them is reincarnation. What do you think? Have you thought about it recently? Yeah, Has it changed yeah. since you started thinking about it when you were probably like 12 or 13 years old? Oh, definitely. I was, I was raised really religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised as a Jehovah's witness and I was also homeschooled. Okay. And so I was very sheltered. Um, and I moved out when I was 18 <clears throat> and, um, I, I had a lot of questions when I was a teenager. Um, so very, yeah, definitely. I definitely think differently about it then than I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> through, um, uh, dimethyltryptamine, I have had visions of, uh, and you know, I take this with a grain of salt because we're talking about a drug trip. Yeah. But it's like, um, I've been shown in that moment, it was unequivocal that like, like uh, there was no arguing with it. Like I'm being shown that the universe uh, was just kind of doing its thing. Yeah. And then one day it woke up to itself, like consciousness arose out of the universe. Very cool. And after a while, it was just like profoundly alone because it's all that there is. Like there is nothing except it. So it creates life so it can go down into these avatars 
and pretend that it's not alone. Um, but it is it alone. Is alone. <laughs> if there, well, there's only one, but we're not alone because we're all hanging out, even though we're all the same person. Exactly. I mean, you know, I've always been intrigued by like Greek mythology and, and oh man, I'm blanking on the name of it, but the idea that there are more than one god. <laughs> What's the name of that? Oh, polytheism? Yes, yes. So I, I think that as individuals, like, and it sounds like really egotistical and kind of almost ignorant, but like, I think we are all our own gods because ultimately like in this yeah. shot that we have, we're in control of our own destiny. And <clears throat> what a lot of people don't realize is that's, I feel like that is, um, that is what every religion is telling us. Um, they, but every religion is misunderstood by the masses. I'm going to say, it's, at the end of the day, it's semantics. Like you said about the universe, it got lonely. That's the same thing people say about God, you know? Yeah. I think every, yeah, every major, like, group of thinking is basically saying the same thing, and it's all semantics. But, like, yeah, so I'm of the opinion that we're all the same entity. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and paradoxically, simultaneously living all these different lives, right? Um I think what makes us different is our um, genetics and also our uh, like our environment, like things you've been through. Yeah. Well, it's also timeline too. You think about how did all these special people end up in one place, particularly Nashville? We all had this idea to get to a certain place to yeah. meet people that we've enjoyed. I don't think that there is a person that I've met down here that I'm like, I hate that motherfucker. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Most of the people that I have found myself in circles with are like-minded individuals. Yeah. It's almost like that idea of the collective consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have this mindset that we want to be somewhere and we want to get someplace together. We just don't know each other yet, but everyone kind of ends up there. It's yeah. kind of the law of attraction too, in a way. You, you put uh -huh. out there what you're looking for and it will find you if you focus on it and you put your energy into it long enough. Big time, yeah. big time. On what you were saying about polytheism, um, I think that's nested in, I, I actually, I believe there's like every God exists uh, mm -hmm. within, I guess what I'm saying. Like, so, so like God is going down into gods and like living those gods as well. So it's like, well, I think, I mean, it's, it's the thing is like, if we observe the universe, right? It's like, from what we can tell, the universe is infinite. Yeah. Not only outwards, but like inwards from what we can tell too, which is mind boggling. It's hard to wrap your head around, but from what we're observing, everything is infinite. So I don't see why we wouldn't apply that to metaphysical concepts. Like, mm -hmm. um, I think like everything is out there and, and everything. Speaking oh, yeah. of metaphysics, do you, do you believe that every God does exist because people believe? So, uh, you know the idea of like parallel universes that if you think it is it's happening somewhere so this is going to take a minute to kind of unpack but um yes i think well yes and no i think um so i've i've which we can get into this more if you want but i've, I've had several oh, yeah. um ex like many many experiences with what i would consider spirits um and what i think is happening when i'm interacting with these things because um, there's basically two lines of thinking. There's this is an external entity that I'm interacting with, or this is some deep form of my subconscious. So I think neither of these are sufficient. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Um, what is in your head 
and what is external in the universe in the void whatever mm-hmm. there's really no difference um it, that's that's really just a flaw in our thinking um what you conceive of is real now whether you that's where it gets like paradoxical because i think that thing existed before you thought of it as well so like yes you conceive of this thing but it's also already there so it's like a handshake so if that makes sense like if you, yeah yeah like all things all things that will exist exist if you take time out of the equation yeah well and that's the thing it wouldn't be so cool to be able to see how things over time have existed right that's yeah. why i think more recently you know seeing that footage from the telescope that went out to space finding those new galaxies I talked to some people who could give a fuck about it. It blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, like there's other, there's so, like, that's a piece of history. I mean, since, I mean, how old are you guys? I'm 26. 26, I'm 27. I'm almost 30. Cool. Wouldn't, I think I was going to say, I'm, I just turned 21. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but like in, in, our, in our lifetime, I mean, you think about like the crazy American history or just, I guess, the world as we know it, history that has happened since we've been born, right? things like war, things like, you know, 9-11 or, you know, Obama, like, like, like huge strides in like history as we know it as Americans, but also like in the world, like we've seen so much since we were born already. Imagine like what will go on after our time is here now. Like, that's crazy. Like to think about would it be cool to see it? It would, it would be very cool to like see. Yeah. Maybe that's what uh, aliens are doing. Maybe they're just like, it's like a little zoo. It's like this. Let's see what happens. Like a little experiment, a little social experiment. Well, me, me, like one of my buddies that I work with, he's also a musician. Um, and we were talking about, you know, the pictures that came back from the other galaxies. Yeah. And my first thought was like, dude, what kind of music do you think they're listening to out there? <laughs> do they even right. know music? Is music a thing there? Like, I just immediately had like all these questions. Like, <laughs> you know, it's funny about that. Um, like this is a, this will be like episode like uh, uh like late 90s or early 100s when it comes out um and like I, I used to ask people do you believe in aliens but i stopped because like what i'm realizing is like you're not going to find someone who like it's very rare to find someone who's like no there's i mean there's definitely life out there like find yeah. someone who disagrees with that is like pretty hard oh yeah so the question i've changed it to is do you think uh like aliens have interacted with earth at all Ooh. Or I guess more specifically, well, I mean, there are a lot of oddities about our planet that are hard to explain. Yeah. I mean, but you put science behind it and it's like, okay, I get it. You know, I think, and this is like a crazy, so people always talk about like, oh, the Egyptian pyramids, the Egyptian pyramids, yeah. that, that was totally aliens. But it's also like, are you that quick to discredit the power of manpower right I, you're talking I about that hundreds story. of years of slavery like are you going to take away like the last thing that those poor people had that put together those perfect brick <laughs> by brick like structures that we fair know? enough you know what i mean <laughs> and like, they're like what the pyramids is like dude fuck the pyramids have you ever seen the sistine <laughs> chapel like have you ever seen like you know the world trade centers or like any of these old like like buildings that are still to this day around that is a the great Aztec argument. temples, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, so it's like, yeah, you can say like aliens, like, but I honestly, I, I, I think human beings are able, you know, are capable of like creating something that is so magnificent and, and ginormous that like, it's hard for us to wrap our head around. I mean, you look at the invention of the iPhone and all mm-hmm. things technology wise that have been designed, like we herald Elon Musk and Steve Jobs, but it's like, 
you see the pyramids like boom aliens it's like i don't know about all that dude but <laughs> yeah i agree with you 200 percent um like to play devil devil's advocate on that i i think it's because they're much older but yeah that, that still is like we I'm didn't with you. have I'm the still internet though it's like, yeah. like we weren't <laughs> as distracted like we just fair stopped. enough like we made calendars calendars i mean you think about the pi you know the pythagoreans and the people who invented math yeah, exactly know, like, like they studied the stars without telescopes yeah they went to work that was it they woke up this morning was like i'm gonna have purpose they were gonna understand something that's gonna mm -hmm. be so mind-blowing like mm -hmm. how how narcissistic and self-absorbed it is is it to think that like just because society is more evolved and comfortable that it's ever been that we are you know of the first few generations of like genius level intelligence i agree i also think that we're on the verge of a very societal shift all around as far as like our currency and our money making structure goes um our generation in particular but also like dude like let's be real for a second hasn't every generation felt like this at least once probably yeah <laughs> we, we did make i think we're fed up though. Homes, though. We are, yeah, we are. True, true. and i i do believe like like i said we're not the first generation of extreme intelligence or that has individuals of extreme intelligence but every discovery you know leads to the next one you know because yeah. we had calendars because we had mathematics it's enabled us to get to this point today if that had not yet been discovered we wouldn't already have these things you know yeah, like it's for sure and i think every every generation has felt like uh i guess maybe what's the right word um on the crux of innovation on the crux, like yeah. At the, yeah like at the turn yeah you know but I think you, we can say that factually because like it like if we look at it, it's like to be fair, maybe cars, the, maybe the gen first generation to experience electricity though. Like we, that way. Like mm -hmm. we're old enough to remember dial up, but we, oh, we're yeah. not old enough to really remember a time prior to like internet or computers, you know? It's like Oh yeah. So it's like that is so new. And then like radio is new, electricity harnessing electricity is new combustion engines are new like super fucking new like oh, yeah. 200 years old mm -hmm. that's like nothing so it's like we legitimately are on this and we're at the very beginning of it the next thing is going to be this ai shit it's like so oh, for sure so we definitely are at a really pivotal point in history but i agree that probably every every generation has felt that way though not yeah. to sound like a cliche but i am oftentimes frightened of it so like i'm very old school in my mindset and i think i seek a lot of comfort in familiar old school things like i don't especially when i was living alone i didn't come home and like immediately hop on my playstation or watch tv or the latest you know episode of something like if the weather was nice i'd sit on my porch i'd throw my headphones on i'd like pull up like an old school album like pour out a little bourbon like light up a cigarette and like just like just like just feel like comforted like easing back into like something so familiar and like from a place where like fuck i wish i was just there like it seems like things were so easy like throwing on sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club land <laughs> or like the jackson five's first record abc like anything like that and just being like man that's just like that's so alive and exciting and yeah comfortable and easy dude. like you know even with our band you know right now it's like we're playing bigger stages which has been so exciting and doing this and that and the other thing, but like, I'm still so tied to like my old school, 
vibe and i'm not saying like i'm like another jack white or anything like that like that to me is too much to be honest but like we're going digital with a lot of our gear these days and i'm very like against it like i like vintage guitar through high gain amps like mm-hmm. that and that's like my old school meets like i want that interface beat down metal rock and roll sound but i don't want to go through x effects and i don't want to do this and i don't want to do that and i'm like you're like it has to be tube driven and so like, just because like i'm set in a certain way you know yeah but I'm not afraid to go buy a brand new car because it's more fuel efficient than a freaking Model T truck. Like I don't have time for that yeah. either. Like, yeah. So I just finding comfortability. You know, things are just from a slower time. It's, just, it's too fast. You know what's funny though is if you're a mechanic, you might feel that way. I I often I often wonder. You know, you know I didn't know that. Or it's were... like if if I was a computer guy, I'd probably be like really into like have a deeper appreciation for like analog uh, computer equipment. Sure. It's like real, like. Yeah, like that kind of thing. But I guess be, because you're a craftsman, because you're um, you're a, a musician and you are a sound designer, like that stuff means a little bit more to you than like a car does. That, that makes perfect sense to me. For sure. And it's not even as a tone purist. Like if I can get the same sound and like, I'm not going to bullshit somebody. Like, yeah, but you know, like the vintage stuff sounds better. Like if it sounds the same, we're like, dude, that's on the fucking money. Like that's it. Like that sounds it. Like I don't care if this digital amp was invented yesterday. Like that sounds identical to a 73 baseband. Like I'm not going to bullshit somebody to be a purist. Yeah. You know, it's the same way I get right. in my car and I'm like, I need directions to blah, 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 blah. Getting your directions. Sometimes I'm like, cool, that works. That's awesome. In fact, when it doesn't work, I'm pissed. I'm like, what the fuck? I just told you what like smart car, smart phone. And I'm sitting here like yelling at these like things, trying not to drive off the fucking like road. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, <laughs> yeah. This is a little bit off subject, but um, something that's really, you familiar with the concept of planned obsolescence? No. So like things are designed nowadays to be replaced. They're not designed to last. Okay. Mm -hmm. Furniture is a great example. Yeah. Like you can't go buy quality furniture. You have to get bullshit furniture that you will replace in a few years. Well, and that boils down to the idea of, again, capitalism. Like if you bought something that was so good, it would last forever. Buy it right or buy it twice, right? Mm -hmm. But not everybody people have buy it right or buy it twice money. Yep. That's, um, that's, yeah. So I feel like that's a laziness of innovation because you can create a product that will last forever and somebody creates something new that just offers features that weren't previously available. You're going to go out and buy it again, even though your previous, you know, dresser or whatever isn't defunct. And, and at that point, you're able to actually still utilize that and recycle it and be less yeah. wasteful. And somebody else would purchase that for a reasonable price. Yep. So I feel like it's it's really just a greed type of thing. It corporations. Is. That's definitely and a then, huge part of it. It's unavoidable not, law. It, I, I agree with you. It's it's not, I feel like it's not entirely malicious. There's definitely a huge malicious. greed factor to it. Mm-hmm. I think the other component to it is if you build things more, um, the way things are made now, they can be mass produced. So mm-hmm. more people can get them. Um, they're not going to be as high of quality, but they're more accessible True. that way. So, I mean, that, that is money driven as well. Right. So you want to, you want to sell to the maximum amount of people as you can. Mm-hmm. Walmart. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, well, to it, the degree it just of, sucks though. Even like, you know, musical equipment. Right. So like my favorite guitars are Gibson's. I love Gibson guitars. Like I got really lucky with the few that I own, like they're good builds, but I also was like, I went through and played through a couple of different ones. It was like, oh no, this is the one. Mm. Because again, it's like, you know, a 1957 Gibson was built 
with integrity and design and quality, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But the mass production nowadays, you can get the 1957 reissue, have four of them, and not one of them plays the same, but one is the best, right? Oh, oh I got you. Riddle me that. And you're paying the same price point for each one. Oh, shit. It's, it's the same thing with buying homes, you know? I, yeah, I was oh trying God, to purchase absolutely. my first home, and I remember being told, like, no, it's better to build, buy a home built in 1950 than 1980, because in the 80s, the the electricity wasn't wired correctly you know yep. there, there was Trends. all this stuff going on like just watch out for lead paint to get you an older home and and nowadays we're just trying to build them and put them up as fast as possible whereas back in the day they were meant to last generations yep. because those were going to be passed down through the family yep. why do you think the brooklyn bridge is still standing <laughs> yeah. seriously we got the pyramids There's, they um, did we got good the pyramids. There, we go. the there we go there you go the best Full example triangle. <laughs> you guys know the comedian duncan trussell Oh, it sounds awfully familiar. Is he kind of in that same like run with like like Rogan and yeah, and he uh, he has yeah. the show Midnight Gospel on Netflix. Mm. I've seen it pop up on mine. Haven't really? watched it. I didn't yet. know he did that. Yeah, um, but um, he he has a, a little story that I feel like is really apt to this conversation. He's he's talking. He's telling the story about how he's talking to this old hippie lady, and she's like, "They don't make acid like they used to." <laughs> and he's like, "Why is that?" And she's like. Because no one's a perfectionist anymore. Damn. Uh, probably in a little while. I think I'm doing all right right now. I'm, I'm going to make a shake, actually, but thank you. Yeah, we're leaving us. Dude, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm still listening. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Um, it's not really what you were saying, but I did want to ask, because I think like it's coded in our DNA. Like Our most natural instinct is the survivor instinct. You know, like we we naturally perceive threats and, and to look out for things that, that are gonna cause us harm. And we've never in the history of humanity ever lived in a time where luxuries and necessities are so readily available. Like for example, you know, you go to a burn say, or, or you go camping and you have to think, oh, I, I need to make sure I'm warm at night. I need to make sure that I, I cook food before it gets too dark to see yeah. what I'm doing, stuff like that. It occupies your mind. It keeps <clears throat> you busy. Um, do you feel like because we do have survival easier than generations before us that it, it causes more worry, it causes more pettiness, more anxiety? You know, because your mind needs to look for perceived threats. I, uh, that's, that's funny. It's a, really a, it's a really good question. <laughs> so I personally like go through my day to day without a care or a worry or anything like that, right? That's <laughs> because I feel like most challenges that might come my way, albeit like you know a work discrepancy, or if you get more serious about it, like oh shit, like I'm sharing on the side of the road. What do I do? I feel like I'm prepared, and I feel like I always have been because I went to wilderness camp as a kid and my dad and my uncles always trusting cars like be a survivor. You know, I also come from a family that's very uh, military based. Also, my father was a fireman and stuff like that. And so was, so were my uncles. So like, I just like, I always felt like I could take care of myself. Like I don't really panic in situations. I panic in situations where I'm late for work because I stopped for Starbucks and the line is too long. And now I'm screaming, you motherfucker, like hurry up. Those are the moments that kind of get me anxious and nervous, but, and look, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't fucking like camping. I don't like sleeping on the floor. <laughs> it, well, no, no. Okay. I changed, I changed that. 
I do like camping. It depends on who I'm with, right? Mm-hmm. I gotta be. Oh, I'm totally. out here in the woods yeah. for this weekend. I need to love these people. I 100 percent agree with right. you. I love camping, but fuck yeah. being with the wrong people when you're camping. Yes, and, and fuck somebody that's gonna mansplain how to start a fire. No, nope. all that aside, I just gotta have everything I need for myself. Mm-hmm. I need enough beer. I need. I if I get too hot, like I need a place where I can like maybe go take a shower because I'm a neat freak and I have OCD and stuff like that. I'm very clean cut, and like even in the woods, I'm like cleanliness is important to me like i don't know why like whatever but yeah how do you think you perceive to ask you guys a question like challenges like like and do you think that it's like correlated to how we're wired in our brain so it's like provide an example like every time i'm confronted with like maybe someone who's like in my face or loud my knee-jerk reaction is like i'm going to be bigger than this person i'm going to yell back at them i'm going to fight them i don't care what the fuck is going on which is not healthy it's something that we all work on is patience and like i'm gonna walk away from this but like your knee-jerk response to being pushed in a corner like what does that say about yourself i um i, I can relate to what you're saying like um like i feel like so i, I feel like i'm actually i'm actually really easily manipulated because okay. um like i'm really i try to be really honest about like uh how i feel about like but <laughs> that makes you really easy to take advantage of because you don't have any cards. Like all your cards are shown. Yeah. Right? So it's like um, people that know how to like stir me up can do that. Yeah. Like, they can do that. And it's like, I fall for it. Like, so if I get with someone who's um, like being aggressive to me, it's like, I, I mirror that. Like I like become a mirror and like buck back at them. Gotcha. Um, I feel like I do that more actually with the people that I know well. Like I'm more likely to just brush them off. They're a stranger, but like I'm actually more likely to get engaged with someone and like get in their face if I know them. Yeah, that, that makes sense though because yeah. you're that's you're somebody who does like to be corrected when you're wrong. Yeah. you I express you, it actually. Yeah, if if you're keeping people in your close circle, it's like I you know I I care about you. You're somebody I respect, so right. it hurts because I'll do that coming from a stranger. It's yeah. like oh, you're a fucking dumbass yeah like this guy's an idiot like he, he probably just did like a bunch of crack we don't know oh yeah and it's so funny it's either one or the other too right so like when i am in situations where like maybe somebody that i'm close with or just anyone that's like just being like like ignorant or just like saying stupid shit or like or just like all right even make it more simple because like that's all subjective if you're like working on a team with somebody towards an a like you know a goal and they're doing something like incorrect or a way that doesn't necessarily follow the system. Like there's a way to explain it. Like, Hey, you know, uh, like, like not trying to be nitpicky, like with gentleness and with care and with respect mm-hmm. to them too. Like you're doing this awesome, uh, try to, this, it might be a little easier this way. Like it works, like just trust the process. Like, I think there's a way to address that rather than being like, yo, fuck over, like you're fucking up again. Like stop being a fucking idiot and get it right. Cause it's the way that we do it. Like, mm-hmm. I think just general care for somebody else and their emotions yeah. and feelings. Because so like, important. Yeah, mm-hmm. big time, man. I don't like being told like that. I hate that. I shut down. Like, no, uh. You know, no yeah. one does. <laughs> and no there's so does. many layers to that. Your response, it's it's largely like, what have you already been carrying that day? What are your experiences? True. What kind of patience have you already exerted here? But for that other person, it's so important to, like you said, be considerate and, and try to have that patience and that empathy because you don't know what they're carrying. It's probably not about you, like nine times out of 10. So the way that somebody yes. treating you is about what they're going through and not about you it's so true and again like empathy and patience and also like so this is like really personal but like so during covid uh my therapist amazing guy love him to pieces 
we had to have a lot of our meetings either by Zoom or by audio. And nine times out of 10, I was in the car coming home from my office job. It's like already like a long fucking day or whatever. And I'm talking to this guy and he, I was like, Hey, I'm just, you know, so-and-so I'm pulling up to get a coffee real quick, drive through Starbucks, whatever, over in West Nashville. And I was like, hold up one second. And I'm ordering, I'm doing a thing. And he just heard how I spoke to this, this person. It was a lady. And I was like, oh, I was like, how's your day going? I appreciate it so much. I was like, have a wonderful day. And, I rolled, and he asked me, he said, William, he was like, are you always that kind of people? He said, why, why wouldn't you be? He was like, that's actually really special. And I was like, why? And he's like, well, like, I know how abrasive and aggressive you could be. And I know how loud you can yell. I've heard in my office. But to hear you interact like that softly to a complete stranger. And I was like, well, dude, doesn't a little kindness go a long way? And he yeah. was like, hold on to that. Never forget that because it does. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, right. You do. never Absolutely. know how you can touch somebody's day. You never know what they're carrying. And the smallest yeah. things, you know, for me have brought me I, to tears. Yeah. Exactly. I, I don't, I don't give a, fuck how bad the service is i hate people that treat waiters badly or waitresses mm-hmm. badly like like okay like if the service say something but you don't have a right to yell at someone no there's because never a reason even if your service is shit person. like like okay they suck at their job but they're a human being like, yeah i mean maybe if you're kind to them and they start belittling you then that it's a murky a area well, that's, that's just a human interaction oh, right well, there actually i've got a yeah. point if you guys want to hear it real quick yeah, the time that, that that has happened to me right and it was yeah. About a year ago, it was my first time ever in a Waffle House, mm. ever, at the age of 26 years old. Ooh. The first time I've ever walked into Are a Are they Waffle not that house. common in the North? No. They're, really? We yeah. have diners and shit like that. Family and you business. said oh, you I guess like things sense. neat, yeah. so I and guess well, Waffle House isn't your yeah, spot. I mean, listen, I'm not one Try to judge, house, right? if you ever see one. Yeah. So, well, so check this out. We used to drive down, again, this is post 9-11. I come from a family in New York. We used to go to Disney World a lot when I was a kid. My, my family very blessed my parents were very hard and gave us really good upbringing but we'd always drive down we'd see like cracker bell waffle house and as kids you're like well that looks like cool and my mom like nah that that ain't that we're not going there like that's not real <laughs> you know we didn't i don't i still to this day don't eat fast food for that reason i don't that's drink good. soda and stuff yeah, like that honestly. whatever well, yeah. <laughs> i started like i'm better than everyone like no it's just the way i fucking grew up whatever yeah anyway so i'm at a waffle house coming down from an acid trip after the ren fair <laughs> with uh two-thirds of my band actually and my drummer Edgar goes, dude, you never been to Waffle House? We gotta go to fucking Waffle House. And I'm a, I'm not in a position to argue. I'm a drunk. <laughs> I'm coming off this fucking high. It is the best place when you're drunk and everything's. Yeah, I can't argue. The sun's still out. I'm oh, hot. I'm tasting colors. I'm feeling everything all at once. <laughs> then the waiter comes by. I noticed he had a bit of a fucking attitude, and I was like, start seeing yourself slip back into reality. I was like, was that guy a dick in that moment? Came back again. I was like, this guy's definitely an asshole. As for, I said, hey, like, everything's great, uh, but I didn't get my side of eggs. Comes back, and I, sh- true ass story, drops the eggs off and goes, here's your eggs, and gives me the little finger. <laughs> and I said, are you fucking serious? And I get, went to get out of my chair, and my drummer had your, he's like, you're not going to do anything. This is Waffle House, you'll get shot. And I was like, what is this place? Dive into the eggs, immediately, all that went away. The douchebag fucking waiter who was having a day and a half, the fact that I was about to drag this dude in the park lot and fucking kick his ass. All that went away because these eggs were so phenomenal. Mm. I will never argue. Someone said, if you said Waffle House right now, I'd be like, end the podcast. We're going to Waffle House. <laughs> fuck, 
We're going. <laughs> that's <laughs> the perfect description of Waffle House. That's the whole right? thing. Like, that you get the worst fucking ser- don't. I, I was like, oh, oh you're yeah. talking about Waffle House. Like, that's not cool. But at the same time, <laughs> no, little... worst service in the world, best food. Like the whole that joke is, is like, if yeah. you don't pull up and and the cook <laughs> and the server out front smoking a cigarette, like it's not gonna be good. Exactly. Exactly. Like I... you don't want good service there. The food's gonna be shit. A one next level. Gordon Ramsay couldn't even argue. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was phenomenal. I respect those people. I know what it's like to work in a like a rough, fast place environment. You know, serving people and cooking, whatever. You know, yeah, it's people probably easy. come in drunk as fuck and declare a piss corner in Waffle House. Let's be honest, they've dealt with the worst. Yeah, yeah. I I bartended a long time. Uh, it's I've dealt with some shit. I don't even I couldn't even imagine dealing with what those people have gone through. No, thank you. Worst bartending story. Go. <laughs> Ooh, uh, it's the one. Oh, there's a couple. There's one that got physical, mm. but not by my design, and I and I, it wasn't at me, and I wasn't at them. But uh, it was Super Bowl Sunday. It was the Super Bowl where the the Patriots lost to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, which was mind blowing to me. I was like, oh my god, no way! Backup quarterback. It was like a freaking it, uh, like story picture, you know, out of a movie and a disgruntled uh patriots fan and a very excited eagles fan started getting after it well let me tell you something i'm not a big guy by any means i'm i'm tall but i'm very skinny whatever nashville new um, york or connecticut just for context uh-huh oh all day new york okay, where, okay. you were in new york oh oh where was that there was a pick one. Oh no no where Who's were you best? when this was occurring I, this was in connecticut at the time, okay, okay. right um so again yeah we had like Giants, Jets fans, Phillies fans, Patriots fans, you name it, because it's such a, you know, mixed area of, you know, where people are from. But uh, these two started going at it, and they started, like, went through a bar, stool down, and I jumped over the bar, and I'm in between these grown-ass men. I'm maybe 23 at the time, and, like, they're going in, and I literally was like this, and I felt like my back was like, and I yelled, I was like, guys, you are going to hurt me, stop. And they both <laughs> just stopped, and I was like, Aww. and then I was like, and then I had to jump back into bartender mode. And I was like, you get the fuck in the parking lot. You stay right here. No, just, I said, stay right here. Like, and I was just like, what's going on? Stop. Stop this right now. So that wasn't like the worst. The worst was probably when I was seeing a girl and uh, it didn't end well. Uh, basically, I, I didn't want to see her no more. And she wasn't taking no for an answer. So I ghost her. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I ghosted this girl. I was like, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not going to engage anymore. As, whatever. Long, as long as you've told somebody, hey, I don't want to speak to you again. Like ghosting Multiple sometimes warnings. can be the only answer. Exactly. And I had to. And it's not that we were young, you know, so it happens. You know, emotions are high. Well, anyway, it's like Sunday bar. I'm behind bar. And this chick comes through. And she just starts yelling and screaming and crying <laughs> at me from the other side of the bar. And I pulled up and I was like, I, I get it. I was like, hey, listen, just give me like three hours. We can talk about this. I, I get where you're upset. I'm sorry, but like we have things that we got to talk about. And she's like screaming, oh, fuck you, Will Tory. Fuck you. Fuck you. And I was like, stop. You can't do this. I was like, get the fuck out of my bar right now. I was like, kicked her out. Her friend comes in, starts yelling up a storm, this and that. And I just, at this point, I'm exhausted. My bar regulars are laughing like, dude, what did you do to this one? I was like, shut, shut the fuck up. I don't need to hear from you. <laughs> Fortunately, my little sister, who I love so dearly, is also at the bar. And she goes, Willie, Willie, Willie. She goes, and she, she worked there also. So she knew what to do, but she wasn't working that day. She was having lunch. Go to the kitchen, go to the kitchen. I got this. I was like, God damn, my sister, and then they're going at it. And it became like push to shove. And my sister's like parking lot right now. And I was like, oh my God. And my chef was like, 
dude, you, you're lucky. Your sister's a bad fucking motherfucker. So they're in the parking lot <laughs> and their fingers in, in each other. They're like, fuck you. This is the other thing. Finally, the chick runs away. My little sister comes back to the bar. She goes, oh, good. The bar just goes wild. And I'm like, oh, my God. And she was like, what the fuck do you do this girl? I was like, we'll talk later. I was like, nothing, nothing bad. Like, this and that. And she was like, you got to stop messing with crazy. And I was like, stop. I was like, I get this. Just go finish your lunch. Finish on my bar shift or whatever. And I was just like, what the fuck was that? That was insane. <laughs> it went from yelling to a cheer and this and that. And it just, it was wild. It was fucking nuts. And uh, <laughs> nice. that was probably the worst. Cause like, I'm in a position where I can't like be, I'm, I'm in work. You yeah. Know? You're like, I'm, you're going to get me fired. Yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. So that was probably my most torturous, you know, I hold it down behind the bar. I'm good with everybody. Everyone's good to me whatever. Like, fortunately, nothing ever violent happened under my watch in the places that I've worked. So <laughs> what's your favorite mixed drink? I don't like mixed drinks for myself okay. personally. Um, you have a favorite liquor? one to make? I love drinking beer. Beer is my shit. I, again, I'm lightweight. I love whiskey and bourbon. I'm a I don't type. really drink hard liquor. Uh, I, I guess as a bartender, do you have a favorite mixed drink to make? Or like, uh, what's the, actually, what's the shit? So I, I also have my ABC license and okay. I, I, um, I, I have never worked in bartending, but I actually took a bartending course. Cool. Uh, yeah. Like for two weeks. Um, but anyway, as a bartender, what is your like least favorite drink to make? Least favorite. Okay. Anything that's like multi-step, like okay, mm -hmm. you gotta model the fruit and you do the thing and then you get this spirit yeah. and this and like like two ounces of this and that. I like the like I want a long island I see and I'm like, bet I got all the liquor right, right. here. Grab all four bottles with both hands, pour it out, little dash this, be on your way. I want a bud light, boom. Like I like volume, I like so speed. You're like right? a dive bar bitch. Hell yes, 100 percent You're like, I'm not bar. over here, like I'm gonna flick this orange peel mm -hmm. over. Exactly, your drink. it's not my craft. I do this so I can go home and like plug in my guitar and think of creative I got ways that way, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's always been how I've done it. But I've got a lot of friends who are in that industry in that way that design a lot of cool stuff. And of course, being so close to Manhattan, I used to go to all those places like Employees Only, Death and Company, The Dead Rabbit, and, and really experience, you know, uh, you know, a cocktail experience at that level and admire it. And like, that's cool. Like, I don't really like, I could probably, but I, I, respect that you've taken it to this level like you're mm -hmm. a professional that's awesome i got you yeah um where, where does the name super signal come from yeah okay so it's actually kind of funny um i was playing in a band with my older sister actually called quiet giant we were an indie shoegaze band based on i like that is band. that danielle danielle yeah okay. yeah danny my older sister love her so much actually it was her birthday a couple of days ago happy birthday danny is she here or no she she moved to boston uh mm -hmm. at this point boston. in time she was like boston yeah she went to she seems Canada. like she could handle herself in boston oh big time. i've oh. met people from boston i couldn't handle myself in boston oh for boston. sure uh she went to northeastern university too so she lived it and breathed and you know she was there she worked for the boston globe as a reporter <laughs> That's yeah. impressive. Wild. Very cool. She's a genius. Uh, spent time out in the Middle East right before 08, where all the uh, the Syrian, like, civil war and all that stuff started going on, like, crazy. Danny, um, if you're watching and you want to be a BFF. Yes, you would love her. Most everyone, if not everyone in the world, loves her. So <laughs> she is Sounds fantastic. dangerous not to. Uh, she has taught me a lot in a lot of ways. I mean, she is really the reason why I got into rock and roll, like, like 90s rock like so in the walkman the disc player it was like the Foo fighters first album or like Nevermind, and albums like that that really kind of shaped my love for like rock music 
yeah, Green Day, stuff like that, but also like the Backstreet Boys and this passion for, you know, Z100. But I now have a new question. Okay, okay, got you. Uh, But anyway, so the name Sleeper Signal, we were basically at the end of our tenure in Quiet Giant. That was the name of the band. It was like an indie shoegaze. She was the lead singer and primary songwriter, and I was just the lead guitar player. It was a lot of fun. Um, But I knew it was kind of coming to an end because I felt a shift. I was getting ready to graduate college and move down here. And uh, her and I were actually on the road or, or, or I was by myself and I called her either the conversation happened together. This guy on the highway had his turn signal on for miles in the fast lane. And I said, oh, that's a sleeper signal right there. Ah. He wouldn't change lanes. It, right. And I was like, that's kind of, that sounds kind of cool. Like what meaning could I put to this? And then I started thinking like sleeper cell agents, like the Russian spies where you call a code word and they get activated. I said, what if I named a band that and that this new rock music that I make will be the signal to awaking the new crowd and audience of rock and roll, you know, because rock and roll is dead, apparently, oh correct? My God. I'm so glad you asked that because I was so thinking that's about that. I, wasn't expecting I think such about a good that answer. in advance and I was thinking like, oh, it probably is like the sleeper agent thing, but like yeah. that whole story, like it's so much more. So basically the music is, so is, is the signal that gets whispered to the hopefully people that are awoken to it yeah man and like it so <laughs> we'll, well, see. well you guys aren't being quiet about it uh we were we were listening to you guys before you came over and uh thank yeah, you I like what you do for sure i appreciate a lot of that like for real um it feels good for me to write music that people enjoy uh our latest signal out of my mind which we released in last october i was nervous to put it out because it was the first time that i wasn't fully in control of this band um and i sent the, like the finished master before it was released like publicly to a lot of my close friends uh friends even who have talked shit about music that i've put out in the past that like didn't like it at all and the response was so positive and sound across the board people who have not liked what i've done in the past been like dude you just figured it out and that to me gave me such a confidence boost um yeah i feel very grateful and blessed it's, it does suck though if uh it hit a significant amount of streams on Spotify and Apple Music, whatever the fuck, doesn't matter. I don't care. But if you sold that many albums back in the day, well, now you're somebody. Hmm. But mm-hmm. still broke. The BMI check is kind of a joke, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but it feels good to at least be out there creating yeah. content. So we're just adapting. It's definitely a different landscape. Yeah. This actually um, actually leads into my next question. Um, so, like it is such a different landscape from back then to now let's say um we'll use just the 70s as an example um but if we're to compare like the 70s to today um like we'll say like yeah like 70 1970 to today it's like um you know you have so many more tools available to Mm -hmm. you now it's easier to make the sounds you want and maybe there are sounds that you couldn't have made before that you now have access to right oh yeah and it's like, so like the catch 22 to that though, is we have so many distractions. So like for me personally, my mom is a really good piano player and she tried to teach me that as a kid, but I just didn't have the discipline. I didn't do it. Um, uh, and I think it's, it's harder to get into a craft now, which is the trade-off for all the technology we have. Um, do you have any advice for any aspiring musicians about how to how to learn a discipline that is a that's a really good question uh 
I, when I graduated, well, no, when I was in college, I resented the fact that I was in college. I felt like I was proving a point. I'm the first Tory, that's my last name on my father's side, to actually go forth and successfully graduate high school and also college afterwards. Um, I felt like I had a point to prove. So the, like a lot of time that I was in college, I was very resentful of the fact that I was there and I just wanted to like constantly be elsewhere. And that's why I also failed high school. I was pushed through because of the old kid left behind thing, which is wild. Actually, I graduated high school with a 1.5 GPA, which is fucking insane. That's a, that's an F for those who don't know. Um, and the reason why was because I never wanted to do homework because every day I would get home from school and want to play music. Mm-hmm. If ever I did something bad, like my mom caught me smoking a cigarette, she would take away my video games and not let me see my friends and my cell phone, but would always leave my instruments. I was in trouble a lot. So I was basically like in jail learning music as a kid, you know, thinking, yeah, you know, that way. How smart are your mom? Again, your mom's yeah. a fucking badass. My mom's dude. a G. I love that. I mean, yeah, my best fucking Nancy. Don't take that, that away from a child. Right. No, that's exactly. Don't take away the thing that Absolutely. they're fucking the only thing that they're interested in. That's how kids become addicted to drugs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Anyway. Exactly. Um, but what I realized reflecting back on my time in college was that it taught me a lot about structure and integrity and responsibility and respect right the minute i knew that it was costing me future dollars because i started working young i bought my first real deal electric guitar my gibson les paul jr i still play to this day i bought when i was 14 years old working a summer doing construction with my uncle johnny nice and it wasn't just like a bullshit like we were in the heat yeah and the minute i knew that i was gonna have to pay these loans back and do this and that i was like all right here we go this is real deal shit. This isn't high school. You were this on top of it. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Like I had to get my, and I commuted also. It was only 15 minutes on the roof from where I was living, but also I was like, I had to make sure I, I bought a car and got my license and went to class on time and got home on time and didn't get distracted by girls too much and partying and stuff like that. So like in college, like I didn't even really party all that much, especially being in a music program where I was in eight, because being in a state university, like you might be in four music classes but you also have to take four or five core classes to graduate on time so i'd go from sightseeing and ear training at eight in the morning to combo to master class to my practice room to take creative writing and mathematics and chemistry after that just to go back and play my drums for another four hours to gear up for a recital at the end of the semester so it was like a lot that i had to do while maintaining a full-time girlfriend and also working at the same time so I've been busy as fuck since I was 18, basically. And I think that just kept me focused on like, I got to make time for this and I have to make time for that. And I'm very regimented in all that. And I have to practice X amount of hours a day to be as good as I want to be. So I would say to anybody who's at a younger age in high school or middle school or getting rich to graduate or even considering go, like, go to school, even, even for some bullshit reason or degree that you might get or... Uh, major rather uh because it's going to teach you a lot about time management and responsibility almost like going to the military you know those guys come out a lot of guys go in as fuck-ups and come out like with families and this awesome job and they're structured and finding not being misguided like don't get misguided don't get sidetracked stay focused be better than the guy next to you yeah that's what that's what you have to do it's just that's really hard it's really hard now it is because there's so many avenues to distraction mm-hmm. i'm very competitive Absolutely. i always have been what uh what's your birthday september 18th it's coming up we'll be 28 this year happy virgo? birthday i'm a virgo yeah. through and through thank you, you also you 
very competitive, but with respect for the game, like I'll never put down another player. Like if I was like, if I knew we were better at something than somebody, I wouldn't go out of my way to teach them like, Hey, check this out. Like that's okay. When I was in quiet giant, a lot of guys would always come up and be like, dude, what gear are you running? I never kept secrets. I was like, dude, actually check this out. I got this. Cause so-and-so I heard use this and it's actually not that expensive. And like you dial in in this way, like, I have respect for the game. Like it's fucking dope. You got to do it also, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. So it's, important. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. I mean, like we're, we're all on the same team or at least we should be. I don't like keeping secrets. I kind of yeah. want to take that question and ask you, because I feel like there is this like, uh, this false like scarcity mindset in the music scene, you know, and I don't know what the New York music scene is. And I think that the, it really depends on the community that you're fortunate enough to find and fall into, but I've been in Nashville 10 years yeah, and I'm 29 years old and I've just recently found a community that welcomed me and treated me as a peer and like wanted to help me. And like, do you, do you think that that's like a common thing and it's an issue with the music scene either here or anywhere else where people feel like I don't want to help somebody else succeed. I don't want to bring them into the fold because if you get a piece, it's taking something away from me and we can take that back to capitalism, but we won't right now. So it's a whole yeah, rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, that is an amazing question. And that's actually one of the things that I tell people most that are either considering moving here, have lived here, or just even ask me, what is your experience like in Nashville? This is the first place I've ever been in my entire life where that scarcity mindset, as far as music goes, is almost non-existent. Okay. I have never felt more accepted, supportive, at least in the rock scene. Broadway scene's a little bit different, but even then, like, I know a lot of those guys, I played Broadway gigs. I get it. Like, even then to that level, it's not, people want to see other people exceed because we're, it's almost, we're all so good down here that we know what it takes and that you're either going to carry on until you get it and get it carry on until you don't get it but also have enjoyed your ride there or just give up but either way it's like we're all going the same way and i mm -hmm. i realized this especially last september was the first time i ever played the exit in and i was invited out to do a nirvana tribute show for the 30th anniversary of nevermind and i was ecstatic this is post-covid it was the first time i was really getting to meet people in the rock scene for the first time and i played it and from that one experience alone, I got networked with so many musicians that were all still friends this day. And I played a number of those type of shows with that same group of special individuals. There is no shit talking. There is no so-and-so's great, but it's it's just so support, support, support. And people give a fuck. Have you been doing? Oh, did you ever release that? How did it go? When? Oh, I heard you're on the road. Dude, if I can make it, I'm coming out. Support. And not in a phony way either. The jazz scene though here i don't care to know it i don't give a fuck about it it can fuck off as far as i'm concerned but the jazz scene as i knew it in the northeast is so that's where that scarcity mindset that like this watch the movie whiplash if you haven't seen I it i love whiplash yeah, if you love Very jazz like i don't that. want you to feel that way because i could totally suggest an event for you that i love jazz love. i won't play i won't play jazz to a professional level ever again for that mm -hmm. reason i am jaded towards it i don't it doesn't get me off the way that rock music and other mm. hip-hop r&b folks so it's got to be the people but like as getting back to the you know the original question like the scarcity mindset which is my least favorite mindset and that goes with everything you do it's like no there is an abundance of everything you just have to have the mindset that will find that abundance mm. right yeah yeah if absolutely you can't if you see I, scarcity you'll yes. see scarcity exactly and, and yeah, it's, exactly. it's never the people that you know 
you're feeling threatened by that you don't want to share with that you don't want to help out that are the ones that are actually threatening you you know much like much like economics yeah you know? like well, we get we fight over crumbs and it's really the day, there's people that have like the whole cake and so in my experience to it too though not yeah. to cut you off but like so oh, yeah. like outside of music i have in my life i've been broke and i've been really wealthy and this is all in the past like six years at my brokest, like I've given people like the last of my two dollars so they can get and that's not to be like I am such a good person for doing this. It's because I don't give a fuck. It's like, yo, they need that right now, just like when I need it, I'm gonna get it somewhere else. So I'm gonna find yeah. a way to do it. Yeah. Our, our most charitable communities are the ones that yeah. have the least to give. And I, I've heard that from people before, you know, like they say, mm -hmm. I don't I don't give because I have a lot. I give because I know how it feels to have nothing. Yeah. 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 Um yeah, you said you, you got okay here and like I cry a lot. You know that? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm so on the phone I cry like two, three times a week. When was That's last a time? question. <laughs> when was the last time you cried? Why? Ooh, okay. I'm trying to think. While you're thinking about that, for me it was yesterday watching everything everywhere all at once. And maybe how was it? I want to see it. You have to. I haven't seen it yet, but you have to. Yeah. I, uh, have to. <laughs> I, I believe in it and I have it. I believe it. He's so, seen it and I respect you. So here's the, uh, fill me in. It's it's uh it's amazing, but like really it's I think regardless of whether you like it or not, it's something you should see. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's 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 such a it's the David Byrne. It is such a subject. Right? Is it is like say what? Was this David Byrne? What, what, I can't remember who directed it. I just watched it yesterday. I don't know who the dude from the it. Talking Heads. Oh, oh, okay. No, was it or not? I, I'm was he in it? Continuing. I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. Uh, I don't think. I, I've been it. hearing about it. I don't even know what it's about. But um, I keep hearing from him. I won't. I won't get into it because okay. uh, that's. It is such a. Um, you just you don't look anything up. Just watch it. Yeah. Um, okay. But. It's an emotional roller coaster, and um, I wasn't expecting. Corey, I'll that. take you up on that other beer, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. I wasn't expecting that going into it, um, but man, it got me at the end. Like, so that's my answer. I was watching that movie last night, and it that's really cool. really got me. What's another good movie that really kind of got you going recently for me? Like, I think the last movie that really fucking blew my mind. And again, like I don't watch a lot of movies. Um. I don't watch a lot of TV either. I just, when I can, I really enjoy it. But uh, I'll never forget when I saw the movie Interstellar. Yeah, that one's great. Christopher and, Nolan. Yeah, I'm, again, amazing director. You know, Matthew McConaughey, one of my favorite actors of all time. Why'd you have to leave, Murph? Like, that shit had me. And yeah, also man. just the inclusion of the New York Yankees. I look at these bombs. <laughs> like, like they're, and I was like, that's fucking crazy. Like, it puts things, as you know it, into, like, a wild perspective, like, of this future place that you couldn't even imagine um that was one of it for me i like documentaries a lot too what's your favorite documentary Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> there's a couple uh maybe sound city sound city was sound city was really cool for me because uh the idea of like that studio out in california where all like my favorite albums essentially were created and how it was like kind of a just a home of all place. Sound City was cool. Uh, I also love the Food Fighters and seeing Dave Grohl's involvement with that was amazing. I actually saw that one. That's a great one. Where where 
Dave talks about like taking over the stu old studio. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see that one, but I saw the um, the Foo Fighters like HBO documentary series. You guys uh, Sonic Highways. Was that was that what they made an album in each city? Yep, yep. Yeah, that, that was, was really good. Cool. That was really good. My friend, my man, one of my longest best friends of all time, my buddy Emmett. We were in college at the time when that was happening, and I would like DVR each episode, and we would hang out and like watch every episode. Nice. And it was cool. I remember the one where they were in Nashville. Yeah. yeah. Send in your complication. Yeah. I remember thinking, like, dude, I gotta go down there. That was the first time that like Nashville really popped in my mind, like as That's a place to like maybe go check out. I like that they that was the episode where they brought up Woody Guthrie, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. Love, like all those cats. I mean, yeah, man. so wild. And I love how he ends that song too, in particular. Like, and they're singing like the bluebird in the round, which is like one of the earlier lyrics in the song mm -hmm. to bring it back to end the song. I, I just song for fighters was that yep. the song they made in Nashville? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. <clears throat> gotcha. Um, documentaries, man. I guess exit through the gift shop window, I think it's called, or exit through the gift shop. Mm. And that's about a early graffiti artist, specifically Banksy. And he's actually yeah. in it. I mean, he's not, they don't oh, show him, okay. they modulate his voice. Yeah. Like they, you know, make it like, we're mm -hmm. doing, we were doing this and that and the other thing. And uh, it blew my fucking mind because, like, I love street art growing up in yeah. places like New York and New Haven, Connecticut, whatever, like, a lot of graffiti. My tattoo artist who did most of my tattoos, Mike UD, uh, out of Danbury, Connecticut, he was a graffiti artist before he got into body art and stuff like that. And I miss him so much. We, I love hip hop. Hip hop is mainly what I listen to. I was just, we were just talking about, I mostly miss listening to math rock and hip hop. And that's mm. about it. <laughs> yeah. Hip hop has always been my get. All right, my pre-show routine. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, I would love to. That's how I get in the fucking zone, man. I blast Biggie Smalls or Nas, hip hop, anything like. I get my alter ego on my big. Mm -hmm. I'm the mm -hmm. fucking man. Can't fuck with me mindset, which I'm not. That like, look at me, man. No, like, I'm just saying yeah. you've got to whether but it's you a job interview or a show. Yeah. You have to believe yeah. that you are a shit. Fake it until you make you've it. You've definitely got stage and, and any problems, yeah. any you. issues, like shut it out. I am all that exists in this exactly. moment because you let something into your head. At least you're the same you. way. That's why like, I yeah, you got to gas yourself so up. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. You know? It's all about like, uh, <laughs> like fighters. Like you like MMA. Yeah. Oh my god. I used to. I used to train a little bit. No shit. Yeah, dude, I, I love you. You get knocked out once, puts things into perspective. That happened to me, and I didn't want to do it anymore. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not big on sports, but I really like combat sports. Yeah, they're um, fun. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't practice, but like, I like watching combat sports. Yeah. And um, there's, I don't know, there's something about it. Like, I like mostly not even like. See, the thing about boxing is like, I feel like that's that's harder for me to watch because they're going eight rounds. They're by the time they're done they're exhausted if they're oh, going yeah. eight rounds it's all headshots too yeah like, that's what's like you can't grapple somebody and choke them out like they only got hit in the head three yeah. times so they got choked out he's like boom face 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 for rounds and rounds and rounds uh someone told me and i don't know how true it is but this is what i heard that a boxing match is actually more like i, I guess it's more damaging to the yeah. brain than a ufc fight and some of those knockouts are crazy but that's yeah. just like one solid hit versus like one after the next just like that's why i don't like weird. watching boxing it's actually yeah. more brutal because like you know like mma um that's that's quick you know yeah like that's you know it could be it could be over in a round oh, it, it is be over in seconds time. man <laughs> yeah yeah um i can't remember why i brought that up oh uh, but yeah like anything you do you have to 
you know, I think it's kind of like, it's a sentiment about anything. Like you have to fake it till you make it. So yep. it's like when you are, what you do, you have great stage presence. Um, like, Thank you again. I really appreciate that. Yeah, dude. Um, but like, I'm sure every great, you know, before they walk out to like a crowd of people, everyone's probably got a ritual like that where they get into, it's not something like, I guess, um, fake it till you make it's not really what I mean, but like, um, you have to put on that, that but it's persona. the same sentiment, you know, it's, it's it's it. like if you look like in the earlier. mirror and say, think of that famous Muhammad Ali quote, like I might, to paraphrase, like, I am the greatest of all time. I knew it before it was true. Like something like, like, that's like, that's a real mm -hmm. quote from Muhammad Ali. And like, yes, he actually was the greatest. Like, yeah, I have a, um, not like a mantra, but I have like an affirmation that I wrote down out of a book. I won't say what it is. Oh, it's, it's it's very much for me you said uh, nothing was off limits well because i don't want to misquote it i think that's really why mm -hmm. which is funny because i've read it every day of my life since i was 23 send it to me. i'll send it to you for those listening tough shit. Good already know <laughs> tough shit alice email her <laughs> um and i could probably easily look it up but i wrote it down on a piece of paper and i taped it to the uh, back of my vanity, like like little cabinet mm -hmm. thing in my mom's basement where I would get ready every day for work or school. And I would read it out loud every fucking day. When I moved here to Nashville, I, that was the last thing I left behind in that household because I thought I was leaving something with it behind. Yeah. I lived here for a couple months and my mom said, hey, William, I'm sending you something that I had made for you. I said, okay. Well, my mom took that. She runs a business, so she has like a heat press that she does like merchandise. So like she like she make magnets and t-shirts and stuff like that. She took it and screen printed it onto a magnet for me to put on my refrigerator, so I can still be reminded. I still have it to this day. This is something that I hand wrote when I was twenty three years old onto a piece of paper, and, and I like read that. Writing and everything. It, yeah, it was an exact screen oh, print of what I wrote. Yeah, on a magnet, again. and I still to this days. day will not go a day or I try not to without reading that. And that's one of the things I say to myself before I play every show or get off the road or get out to go on the road, you know, with the band to remind myself that A, I am worthy. Yes, I can do this. I have the confidence to get this done and I will not take no for an answer. I won't, I won't let myself fail. Basically to get into that headspace of like failure is not an option. No is not my vocabulary. We're going to win this day no matter yeah. what. So, Carpe that DM. Sounds cliche and niche, but, yeah, but it, it is it, so man, fucking the true. Most, the it most so profound true. truths are simple. Mm -hmm. The most mind-blowing things are the most simple ones. Well, just like fear is a mindset. The most yeah. logical explanation yeah. is mo most often time the most accurate one. Yeah, Occam's Razor. A lot of my good buddies were in the military, and uh, one of my best friends, Jamie, Loving to pieces. He has been one of the most influential people in my life since I moved here to Tennessee specifically. We've worked professionally together and we've also partied like degenerate fucking rock stars before <laughs> together. He is a great dude and I love him. His family, beautiful family, wife and kids. He was in the Navy and we were talking one day and I was like, what was your experience like in the military? And he was like, dude, just like with sales, if you're a true warrior and you have what it takes, you have a switch that you flip in mm. every situation Yeah, to get in the zone like that, no matter what happens. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're no one's ever ready until a moment, right? Until, yeah. Until that moment. Oh, uh, yeah. For anything. Yeah. yeah. Greatness thrust upon you. Yeah. You know, even it's like, like, like parents, like, like no one's ready to be a parent until they already are. So they true. think they are. They don't know. Yeah. Right. No, but for real though, like I have had buddies who have had kids who are like, dude, I was not ready until the moment I had to be ready. 
and I'm so glad it happened. Yep. And I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. There's that, that it'd be like that. <laughs> it'd be like that sometimes. It do be like that. Me, I'd be like fucking ah! I'd probably get so worked up, you'd find me like just like passed out because my heart just gave out. I'm like, like what? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Will, thank you so much for being here, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I always love sitting down and talking with like-minded individuals. Dude, this has been a great interview. I've loved having this conversation. It's a lot of fun. I've loved every moment of it. Thank you guys so much. Alice, check out Sleeper Signal. Links below. Um, Streaming everywhere. And videos. They have videos out. Um, Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.